if you're listening to this and the money is not where you want it to be, you don't need it to be in order for you to fashion a perfect day. Because me calling my mom or dad has nothing to do with the money. Me hugging my nieces or my nephew has nothing to do with the money. Your perfect day is not to set yourself up for sadness. It's to set yourself up for success, to say, ah, I did these things. You know what? Although things happened that I didn't like today, I had a perfect day. You have enough perfect days, you mess around and have a perfect life. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. We have coming back on the show a guest favorite. She was on episode 209 of the podcast. Yes, Tiffany, the budget nista, Alicia is back on the show. She is America's favorite personal finance educator, other than me, of course. <laughs> An author of New York Times bestseller, Get Good With Money. Through her Live Richer movement, she's helped over 2 million women save, manage, and pay off hundreds of millions of dollars of debt. She's a former teacher. You know, teachers have my heart. My husband is a teacher. And it was instrumental in getting the Budget Nista Law passed in January of 2019, making financial education mandatory for middle school students in New Jersey. She was featured as a financial advisor in the Netflix documentary, Get Smart With Money. And she has a new workbook coming out, Made Whole, The Practical Guide to Reaching Your Financial Goals. Welcome back to the podcast, Tiffany. Thank you for having me, Jamila. Honestly, I'm just so proud of you. The growth, you are slaying. So, Oh, well, that means a lot coming from you. And really, like, I feel there's so much synergy in terms of how you do things with your business, how I want to do things how I am doing things because, you know, you definitely lead with a force and by example. So in terms of not only staying true to yourself, I feel like it's very authentic when it, when you, you know, show up on social media or show up for your community, but also like in the way you've grown and pivoted your business, right? And it's really inspiring for someone like myself who is kind of, you know, still growing her business, having my first book come out, but then realizing and seeing another way for it to be done, right? Like it doesn't have to be the way that, you know, a lot of people get ahead in terms of like the flashy and everything is done, totally done up and curated and seemingly perfect. And I just feel like you present another way to be really successful by just being yourself. So I just want to say thank you for that and give you your flowers for that. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. And you were on the podcast um, a couple of years ago. You talked about your book, Get Good With Money, which is 
it's over there in the background. <laughs> and in that, which I would recommend everyone to go listen to after you listen to this one, we walk through the steps of becoming financially whole. Now you have your workbook come out. But I feel like since our conversation, you know, I've seen a pivot just watching you from a distance online with how you run your business or how involved you are. And you seem to be more about lifestyle design and like living a life you love. So I want to kind of lean into that in this interview and for you to share what you've been up to since um, you've been on the show in 2019. And then we can talk a bit about designing the life that's completely yours. No, absolutely. So honestly, lifestyle design is something I was introduced to when I was teaching preschool. I read Timothy Ferris' book for our work week. And it's all about lifestyle design. It was like the first time I was introduced to it. I was in my 20s and I said, huh, what is this thing where you can kind of create the life that you want? And then there are things you have to set up to support that life. And one of those things obviously is your money. But it was like kind of the first time I was intrigued as to how did I want to live my life and be more intentional about it. I did it. I don't want to say accidentally. I just didn't have the word for it. When I graduated college, I had a degree in business and hated all my internships, knew I did not want to do that. And I remember distinctly sitting at my internship for Wake Firm, which is corporate ShopRite. And ShopRite is like, the, if you live on the East Coast, it's like one of the biggest supermarket chains. And I was sitting in corporate ShopRite thinking, I hate this. <laughs> it's terrible here, you know? Um, it just was boring. And I just remember thinking... And daydreaming, because that's how lifestyle design starts, daydreaming, oh, if I wasn't here, what would I be doing? And I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, I'd love to travel and like, I'd love to have fun. I remember I would, I am someone who, when I get bored, I get really sleepy and I was used to have to fight to stay awake. I'm like, I don't want to do something boring. So I'm not always feeling like I have to go to sleep. I also remember like I was in the beginning of my natural hair journey. And I remember distinctly thinking, I also want to have a life where I can be natural because back then, I mean, now, you know, the girlies could do what they want. But back then it was like, mm -mm, they wanted you on that creamy crack, a.k.a. a perm in like corporate settings. And so I just remember thinking then, like, what does that kind of look like? And I chose to go into teaching and it connected with all those parts of me of how I wanted to show up. I did not know then because I was so young. I was like 21 that I was practicing lifestyle design. And it wasn't until years later I read for our work week that I realized that's what I was doing. And as you start to, it's easier to do lifestyle design, I feel like, when you have, like, nothing to lose. You know, like, I was, you know, 20-something years old. I didn't have, you know, I wasn't married. I didn't, you know, I didn't have kids. I, you know, it was just me, myself, and I. But, and I didn't have a business. But as my business, the budget needs to start to grow. And at its peak, it was making eight figures a year, $10 million, $10 million a year. It is hard to step away from the thing that's working, even if the working is actually not working for you if that makes sense. And I was my unhealthiest when my business was doing its best. I mean, we make it $10 million a year. I'm on the cover of all the things. I was the first black woman by herself on the cover of Money Magazine, NAACP award nominee. I mean, you couldn't watch Today Show, Good Morning America, Kelly Ripper, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. I was everywhere doing everything. Everything, money is flowing in. My take-home pay has multiple seven figures. So not the business, but take-home pay. You know, I went from making $39,000 a year as a preschool teacher to, you know, triple that as a take-home pay in one month as, as, as a budgetista. And so on the surface, it looked like, oh my gosh, she's doing it. And I was breaking 
I like I was like I since lost that weight, but I was up forty pounds. I had never been. I was always like a skinny kid and a pretty lean, like you know, twenty and thirty year old. And but like when I hit my mid thirties, when the budgetista started to really take off, I just was like not taking care of myself. I remember like I always had like nice skin. My skin was so dry. I wasn't sleeping more than three or four hours a night. You know, I like literally couldn't stay asleep. I didn't know there was anxiety. I wasn't sleeping well. I had one of those sleep number beds where it tells you like how well you slept. A hundred is the best. And I was averaging, my number was like 40, 50. Like I couldn't get past that. Like, and it was showing me on my sleep number app that I tossed and turned all night long. I didn't know that. I was always like on edge, crying all the time. Anything difficult that came up, it's like I could not manage it emotionally. It was a really bad time. And then my blood pressure which I always had perfect blood pressure, 120 over 80, boom. I went to the doctor one day just for my normal checkup and she was like, your blood pressure is elevated. And I was like, oh, I ran up the stairs here. She said, okay, come back in a couple months. Came back, your blood pressure is still elevated. I was like, huh? She said, if you come back again with elevated blood pressure, we're gonna have to put you on medication. I'm like, like I'm 80? Blood pressure medication in your, in your 30s? And I was like, oh my God, what's happening, Tiffany? And this is like kind of like, one of the beginnings of like something has to change. She gave me this, like she had me order a blood pressure machine that you could do at home. And she said, every morning and every evening, I want you to take your blood pressure and share it with me in the portal. And it was really high, 160 over 90, like the type that you're supposed to go to the hospital for. And I was like, it's gotta be broken because there's just no way. So my sister at the time was living with me and I'd be like, Tracy, use it. Hers, 120 over 80. My husband at the time when he was here, like, babe, use it. 120 over 80. My stepdaughter at the time, you know, well, she's still my stepdaughter, but, and you know, Alyssa, use it. 120 over 80. Tiffany, 170 over 100. One, I mean, and I was like, what's happening? Like, what's really happening? And I just remember thinking, like, even now I'm just getting like something in the pit of my chest because it was like such a scary time because I knew that if something did not shift, that I was going to break inside. But I didn't know how to make the change. And so I asked for help. And what I did first was I got a business coach, which was really pivotal. Zion, I'll never forget. He was awesome. And so he helped to look at the business and say, why is it overwhelming you? And so so what could we get the team to do to help? So he was a great coach and he had coaches within his program that coached the different parts of my business. He had a marketing coach, a financial coach. So he coached me and my business partner at the time. And then his internal coaches coached my team. So we got tighter. So that helped some, you know, and then I got a personal coach who was also a therapist, but at the time she lived in Atlanta and could not do um, therapy in New Jersey. So she became like, I found her and she was like, but I can coach you. And so that helped a lot, like learning how to set boundaries, learning like what I needed. And that helped bring me down significantly from like high anxiety, stress of at 100, maybe down to like. 50. So it was like manageable. And I still couldn't like break past the hump of like, this is still not enough. Certainly it's gotten better, but I still don't feel quite happy. I'm just not as unhappy professionally. So the the thing that offset my professional stress was that I had an amazing home life. My husband was like the best husband ever. Just like loving, caring, kind. Like I have three criteria when it comes to partnership is that one, you have to be intrinsically kind meaning like you're kind because you're kind, not because it's me. Because I mean, you're married, you know that sometimes, you know, they're going to get mad at you. So how do you show up even when you're not happy with me? So I wanted somebody who was intrinsically kind. He was like the black Mr. Rogers. 
I also said I wanted someone who um, made effort because I had dated before and it was like, am I out here by myself? Like make an effort, show me that you really care. And he was like the king of like, here's flowers. You know, did you eat? Are you good? You know, what can I do to help? And so always made a big effort. I met him when I was a preschool teacher and he was a maintenance man of this building when we were really young. And the third thing is I wanted to be able to show up fully as myself. So I dated men before because I'm pretty ambitious who were turned off by my ambition. Like, I just want you to cook and clean. I'm like, "Mm, but I don't want to. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with cooking and cleaning. I just don't want to do it. And so I wanted to be able to show up as myself. Sometimes I could be bossy. Sometimes I could be sad. Sometimes I could be. And I wanted to be able to, the way I am with my sisters, I have four sisters. I wanted to feel like I could be that way with my partner and I could be that way with him. I could be my full Tiffany self. And so it offset that awesome personal life I had, offset the fact that my professional life was overwhelming. And then tragically in 2021, he just, he was only 41 years old. He had an aneurysm and he passed away like within days. He was, it was a Monday and then by Thursday he was gone. And he was young. My husband was six, six, fit, this beautiful black man, high cheekbones. He's like a model. He was just in any other, every other way, he was just really healthy. So no one expected it. But what it did was that transition, I could no longer bear the business being the way it was because I didn't have the soft landing at home. And so it was like, at least I could bear it before because it was like, well, the business is only half my life. My other half is great at home. But without him home, it was like, Tiffany, I cannot go back. I refuse. I cannot. You have to seek peace, security, and happiness in business as well, because there is not that, like Jarell is not here to provide that, the counterbalance. You have to do that for yourself. And so I took two months off. Well, I took almost a year off, but I took two months after I, I laid him to rest. I went to Bali for two months to get myself together, just to kind of like reset. And my business was basically falling apart because they were all like, I don't know what to do, you know? And I didn't care. I was like, whatever, I don't care. At this point, like, what do I care? Like my person is gone. And so I took too much just to go to Bali by myself. And then I came back and still was like, I'm not here. Don't call me for nothing. Don't ask me for nothing. Figure it out. I don't care. And then slowly I started to like come back to the business and try to like make sense of like how I wanted it to go. And it's been almost two years since Jarrell passed away. And I'm just kind of not coming back to myself, I think. But I've gotten very clear about what I'm not going to do and how I'm not going to navigate And so I refused to overwork, overwhelm, not just myself, but the team. I did not realize that when I was peak anxious, overwork, overwhelmed, Tiffany, so was the team. And so I refused to do that. And this year, I have to say, we probably made the the least amount of money this year that we've made in years, in 15 years of business, because we're in transition away from the overwork and overwhelm. And also um, what I call dancing for a dollar, which means I have to show up in order for the business to make money now that we have been transitioning to different ways to show up in business that does not require me to dance for a dollar. And so the team has been amazing. I had to, unfortunately, because I just, so much of the money came from me, I had to reduce my team by more than half because I, I can't do a speaking engagement three months after my husband passed away. I can't. And so as a result, money wasn't coming in as much. And so I had to let go of a lot of people, which was the least, you know, my least favorite part of the journey. And we did so as gently as possible with as much severance as possible with, you know, like whatever you need a recommendation, whatever as possible. I mean, literally like everyone knew, like 
you can hit me up and I will tell people what a good job you did here, which helped significantly. And I have to say now, like I have something that I call my perfect day list and we can share that later, but about like how I want my life to go. I take a daily walk. I just took an hour and a half walk this morning. I'll probably take another one later on today. I take like a a nap almost every day. I spend a lot of time with family and friends, a lot of time. And I have my book Made Whole is coming out. You know, like you're in the throes of, of book marketing and push, but I'm not doing her like I did get good money. My publicist, she's awesome. So she gave me a list of, this is all the places that you did interviews before. It's like over a hundred. I said, girl, no. I said, pick the top 20. So that's why I'm here. Because you top 20. Okay. <laughs> I said, pick top 20. Said, she's like, what about? I said, eh, eh, eh. pick the top 20. I'm not doing, I'm not doing a hundred and something interviews so I can break my mind and break my spirit. No. And so that's the space that I'm in now. I'm in a space where, you know, I seek peace. I seek connectedness. I seek love. Because when someone passes away in the hospital, you know, there's a moment when you kind of know that for many people that they're not going to make it. And they're like maybe being like kept alive with like ventilators and things like that. And that's what happened because he was an organ donor. And so they're basically keeping him alive. So because you have to, you have to donate organs with the body that's still alive. And so as I was like sitting with him, I remember in this moment, this kind of like sense came over me that you get supreme clarity about what's important in this moment. When everything else falls away and the love of your life is passing away, what is important? And I remember the only two things came up. It was love and connection. That's it. That's it. Everything else fell away. I don't care how many awards I win as budgetista. I didn't care about New York Times. I didn't care about none of that. It was just, I wish I had more time to love on him. I wish I had more time to stay connected in this way. And that's it. And so that is the guiding post that I, I navigate from. If it means less money, okay, I'm already rich, quite honestly. So, yeah, so that's the space that I'm in now. I'm left, I'm designing my life from a place of love and connectedness. Well, thank you for sharing the background, the story, and all the touching moments that led you here. What you know now and what you experienced has allowed you to view things differently. It's allowing you to navigate differently. Knowing what you know now and going back to starting the Budget Easter or when you were ramping up and really ambitious and working hard, what were some of the things that you would have done differently? And then when you think about that, you know, I know sometimes we look back and we say, well, everything's for a reason. Like, I don't like this, is how I think, you know, if it wasn't for that, then I wouldn't be here. And that's sometimes hard for people to reconcile because, you know, the hard work got you to where you were, but then it was like so stressful that you pivoted and now you're somewhere else. But do you think you could have been as successful as you were the time frame that you were, if not for the hard work and stress? Do you think you could have reached there if you started with this mindset from the jump? Because I feel so many people might be, you listen to this and at the beginning of their entrepreneurial or financial journey. And they're like, yeah, well, if I had enough money, if I was already rich, then I can like relax and chill, <laughs> but I'm not there yet. So I feel like I have to grind. So what do you think of that? And do you really think you would have been able to make it this far without that grind? So honestly, I have a ton of like uh, mentees. I was just talking to like um, Berna, you know, you know, Berna, Julie, the invested Latina, all the girlies be calling me. I'm like, Jamila, girl, call me if you need advice. <laughs> so I feel like the OG of the game, you know? <laughs> and so this question comes up every single time when I talk to one of my mentees. And the the answer is that no and yes, meaning the thing is, could I get here without the hard work? 
Absolutely not. There is a period of work that's required of you, like above the ordinary, because in order to be extraordinary, you have to put in extraordinary amount of work. But the problem is, is that when I hit what was what was necessary for that, I went beyond that. It was the beyond that I want you to pull back from. Because it was like, Tiffany, at this point, because, and actually I remember when the work, and I was working a lot, I enjoyed it. I was like, oh, I'm out here, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm mixy, I'm, you know? And then it was like, well, if I can get this at 100%, what can I do if I put 200%? And I actually was less productive because I wasn't as, as creative. I was anxious all the time. And so I say that, yes, it is going to require a level of work that is beyond the ordinary in order for you to reach the level of success that you, you might want to reach. But what I caution against is to r- racing past that goal because I'd already hit the goal. And then I was like, well, what if I double? What if I triple? And that's actually not how it works. There's something called the law of depreciating returns. So you tell yourself, if I drink water, it's going to make me healthier, skin glowing, flush my system. One cup, good. Two cups, good. 10 cups, okay. 20 cups, wait a minute now. 100 cups, you can literally drown yourself from the inside with overconsumption of water. So water that was once good can actually become toxic for you if overdone. And that's what I'm saying is drink the maximum amount of water necessary in order to get the maximum benefit. But you have to know yourself to say, "Uh, uh, uh, I have reached the capacity of what this level of work will provide for me. Anything above this actually reduces the thing that I'm working toward. And so that's what I say. Hard work, yes. Overwork, no. Financial independence is not having to work for money anymore, but financial freedom is about having options. You can have financial freedom while on the journey to financial independence. And my brand new book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom, a step-by-step guide to achieving wealth and happiness will show you exactly how to achieve that. Your Journey to Financial Freedom comes out December 5th, but you can pre-order today and get my brand new course, Firestarter, the financial independence blueprint for free to get started on how to chart your course to more money, less debt, and more freedom today. Discover how to define FI and financial freedom for yourself. Work on the FI components and the FI formula. Calculate your FI number and more with this brand new course. The program includes four video lessons taught by me, a companion workbook to help you implement the lessons, and more. You can get the course for free immediately when you pre-order one hard copy of my book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom, today. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash book to order the book and get your free course. I feel like there's such a blind spot because we often see people who have more than us. Sometimes I'll watch the celebrities, people with a lot of money who say, oh my gosh, like I can't stop working. I, I have so many bills. And, you know, everyone says, including myself, well, if I were like at your level, like I would, I wouldn't do that. Like, cause I would know, you know, like I, I would know what to do with that. And so we often assume that we know our enough points or that can't happen to us when we see other people mismanaging maybe their money or energy, not realizing that we are actually probably doing that to ourselves currently in some capacity already. And so I think it's important. Like, so how do you know your enough points? You know, I have some ideas, but I'd love to hear from you. What does that look like? Does that look like having the goals already written out so that way you can check in with them? Does it look like having honest people around you to check in? Like for you, like, 
how does someone understand what that point is? And then how do, how do you change your mind? Because what if you get to that point and you do really realize that's not enough? I do want more. How do you work with that? So I'll tell you one thing that I learned from Jarrell is that he was the king of enough. And I used to be like, you sure? Because I'm like, oh, babe, we're going to get this bigger house. When we, He's like, but I like our house. I'm like, oh, it could be better. And we're going to get this nicer car. But I like our car. So I'm like, oh, we could do better. His thing was always, you good, baby girl is good. That's my my stepdaughter, Alyssa. She's going to be turning 17 in a couple of days. Well, by the time this ghost comes out, she's already be 17. You good, Liz good, I'm good. That was his thing. You good, Alyssa's good, I'm good. And so what I didn't realize then is what he had set the parameters of what enough was. That was his, if I make a million dollars a year. So some people were like, oh, my benchmark is a million dollars a year. Jarrell's benchmark was, is Tiffany good? Is my daughter good? Then I am good. And so that, it it triggered for me, oh, I actually get to decide what the milestone is for me. And I realized, oh, that it doesn't have to be financially based. It doesn't have to be when I get $10 million cash, then I'm good. When I get 20 million, you know what I mean? That I can actually decide the benchmark looks like something different. And so Dr. Green, who's my amazing black therapist, she's so awesome. She told me like some years back, I want you to write down your perfect day. And I remember being like, "Mm," I couldn't do the activity because I couldn't wrap my mind around like what a perfect day would look like. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. I was just too stressed. And then most recently I revisited that activity and I said, you know what? I think I want to to revisit that activity because in my mind, I thought a perfect day had to be like, oh, you know, I'm laying by the beach and I made a certain amount of money. And now I'm going to share with you some of the things that are my perfect day. So perfect day, movement outside. So every day I try to go for a walk, no matter the weather, unless it's like really like raining bad or whatever. So love being outside, hearing I love you. Someone telling me that, mom, dad, sister, whoever, saying I love you, at least one phone call with a loved one, eating something yummy that's also, that also makes me feel good, walking outside, waking up without an alarm, I'm learning something new via reading, watching, hearing something interesting. I love to learn. Time and space that are not obligated away. So every day that there's a period of time where I don't have to do anything, I don't owe anything to anybody, I could just do nothing if I want to, helping slash teaching something, because I love to teach, a really good belly laugh or spontaneous laughter, a sudden feeling of gratitude, seeing, experiencing something beautiful and feeling loved and looked after and physical affection, like a hug or... And so every night when I'm ready to go to sleep, I look at this and say, "Have have I achieved the majority of these things? So I don't have to hit every single one, but more yes than no. And when I tell you, Jamila, what I'm finding is almost every day I've had a perfect day. According to this, not according to, did you make a million dollars? Did you sell how many books? Did you blah, blah, blah. But according to this, I'm like, if you went outside, you know, someone already told me I was talking to my, um, my nephew and she, he already told me, I love you, auntie. Like I, I, I spoke to my sister today so that I had my phone call, you know, like I'm always laughing. And so like that helped. You know, I'm I'm teaching now. So this, you are participating in me having, having a perfect day, a feeling of gratitude. I'm feeling grateful sitting here now. But do you see how all of a sudden aligning your life and designing it based upon the things that actually truly matter to you 
is so critical. Now, do we need money? Yes. That's why I made, wrote Made Whole because me being able to walk for two hours a day is as a result of the way I navigate my money. I live way below my means because, you know, I don't mind. Well, I don't know if you know, but I don't mind talking about numbers. So even like when I was making seven figures, I sometimes would live off of 10%. Like my life now, because I don't I have I own two properties. I have my car. I, have, I don't have any debt. Like I don't have any mortgages. I don't have any car. No. So I have designed my life in the, from the financial perspective to be able to take my nap, wake up without the alarm. You see, it's intertwined, like being able to take my two hour walk. So it's not just all this woo woo, like, oh, great for you, Tiffany. It's like, no, no, you absolutely need to lean in to your personal finances and other areas of your life in order to achieve what you hope to be like your perfect day. But you can start where you are now. Maybe you have kids and you're like getting a hug from my kid, affection from my partner, getting some sun on my face. You get to design. And then what it does is it forces me to think, to be grateful and to think of what did happen versus what I don't have. And so that has just changed the trajectory of my life because as things come in, like I turned down like a half a million dollar contract in the beginning of the year. My team was like, <laughs> because it was going to require me to like be all over the country, multiple stops. Mo- and I was like, old Tiffany, we're like, yes, I'm down for the get down. New Tiffany right now was like, I don't want to do that right now. Maybe, it, you know, a year from now, I'll change my mind. But in this moment, I was like, I actually don't want to do that. And so I tar- I'm turning down a lot of money that's not aligned with how I want my day, my week, my month, my year, my life to go. And so, but I can do that because, since we're bringing back to personal finances, because I navigate my money in a way that allows me, I live so far below my means. It doesn't mean I don't enjoy my money. I did. I just took um, Alyssa for her 16th birthday. I took her to Europe for 10 days in August. I took the full month of August off. We went to London, we went to Paris, went to the Amalfi Coast business class, all four and five star hotels. We lived it up, you know? So it doesn't mean like, oh, you're living a tighter life. Mm-mm. I just bought a condo because although I love this house that Jarrell and I bought and, and, and built up together, sometimes it's hard to live in here day to day. And so my sister and her two kids are going to live here. And then I bought a condo, like a 10 minute walk from here, this beautiful 28 square foot, five bedroom, three and a half bath, historic building condo. And it was half a million dollars. I paid for it cash. I'm renovating now, doing that cash. So do you see, it's like me living below my means doesn't mean I get to live less of a life, but because of the financial choices that I've made and I continue to make, it allows me the space to have the holistically healthy life that I want for myself. And what I love about your list is that a lot of it is, you know, you initiate or you are in control of those actions versus creating a list or having check marks where you're depending on someone else to do something or something else to be in the perfect condition, right? You are the person then in control of your day. Because I know a lot of people feel like things are happening to them. And it's easy to feel that way when you don't have as much space and time, right? As you may have right now that you kind of just, you have created this for yourself. There are people, you know, they got to go to work. They have a boss, they have kids, you know, that are demanding of things of them. And they just feel like, I really don't feel like I have control, but here's also a really good thing. I think the picture you just painted of your life is amazing. And to me shows someone who's further along in their financial journey and did the work, but people who are still just starting or getting it together can still experience this freedom because 
Maybe it won't be two hours that you have to take that walk, but it might be five, 10, 15 minutes. You know, you can do some of these things still today now without, like you said, the million dollars, without the paid off house. And I talk about that in my book too. It's like, you need to find a way (laughs) to experience freedom right from where you are and happiness. Because while I know that the money will help, when you get there, you will still feel that void because you didn't you didn't fill it without the money. And so adding more money actually makes the void bigger <laughs> because you're even more frustrated. Like, all right, now I have the money and I'm still like upset. So you're more mad at yourself. At least like when you kind of end the journey, you can make that excuse. Like, see, I'm unhappy because I don't have the money or I'm in debt. When you don't have that anymore, you have not fixed it. You get even more mad because you're like, what? Yes. I talked to a lot of wealthy friends. One of my friends is very, very, very wealthy. He and I were talking. And I won't say what industry he's in just because he'd be listening. <laughs> I'm like, but he was like, uh, you know, basically I hate it right now, but one day I'm a, you know, I'm gonna sell all this and I'll have the money to be happy. And I was like, that's not how that should work. You should find it now, you know, cause it might just be like, like, let's just say I'm talking to preschool teacher, Tiffany, who was like, girl, she's listening to rich Tiffany now. Like cute for you, you know? So preschool teacher, Tiffany, what I would tell her, she was making $39,000 a year which in New Jersey is no money. She was driving like a, a 1999 Toyota Camry. It was already an eight-year-old car when she bought it. And, you know, she had a roommate, her sister, and she was paying, I think, 1200 bucks a month for like this. She was renting like um, this small little house with her sister. And so I would tell her the perfect day for her might be like, um, because I was teaching preschool to make one of the kids really happy. Because they'd be like, I love you, Miss Tiffany. You know, when they're that little, and so that just used to light me up. A perfect day might be to get some sun on my face. I would take the kids to the park every day as long as the weather permitting. So it's like, okay, to get some sun on my face. The perfect day might say to hear the laughter of kids because that was one of my favorite things too. Because you know, kids are just, uh, like when you hear them like laughing, you're just like, I mean, they just find joy. That's really one of the things. It's like, if you've ever seen kids navigate and play, they understand the concept of leaning into what they do have versus what they don't have. They get it. They're like, you know, you, you you watch kids play who don't have any toys. All of a sudden, a rock becomes a toy. A stick becomes a toy. If you've ever seen you put a kid in timeout, they will play with their fingers and be like, this is the mom finger. This is the dad. This is the... Like, kids are like, girl, I'm going to make it do what it do, regardless of what the external thing is happening. And so we can learn a lot from that. Like, I would fashion, if you're listening to this and the money is not where you want it to be. You don't need it to be in order for you to fashion a perfect day because me calling my mom or dad has nothing to do with the money. Me hugging my nieces or my nephew has nothing to do with the money. Maybe you're a cashier at Walmart and you park the end of the parking lot so you could get a walk in and just enjoy like the breeze, you know? Your perfect day is not to set yourself up for sadness. It's to set yourself up for success to say, ah, I did these things. You know what? Although things happened that I didn't like today, I had a perfect day. You have enough perfect days. You mess around and have a perfect life. Hmm. You talked and you shared like you went on a couple trips and you live offline a lot, right? You don't necessarily share that often or you might share it when you feel like it, which I love. Especially like for a lot of people, you know, some people have no interest in creating a business or a personal brand, right? So they're more private and have private pages. And so it's just with their friends and family, which they still probably struggle with posting, right? I always joke with my friend, um, you know, she's not, she's not an entrepreneur or anything, but she'll just like, she'll overthink about posting on her stories. Like she just, I'm just like, girl, like why just post it? You know, like I, it's so, it's just so interesting. And, you know, I sometimes struggle with that too. So with that, 
external validation Mm -hmm. and watching other people, right? Like do things that, you know, if you did, you would actually, you know, get more followers or make more money or just be more appealing because, you know, people like to see curated lives or the background. So what's your advice for someone who may be feeling like they have been doing that and they don't want to and or that they can't have success without showing kind of or presenting a life or lying about it. Cause you know, we know that there are a lot of people running online about their happiness and their money. It's a lot of scammers running rampant on, on the internet and social media today. So talk about that being authentic and like not needing external validation or like how you worked up to kind of rely on yourself and in internal world instead of relying on external validation. So it was hard because I would say up until just a couple of years ago, I was very, well, one, I used to really enjoy it. Like, I'm like, ooh, I, I love social media. I was like, it's fun. It's fun to share. It's fun to go back and forth. You know, like, I mean, I shared everything to my dad. was like, don't put me on that space book. My dad is not doing <laughs> I'm like, it's Facebook and you're going. <laughs> and so I remember distinctly, I mean, every family event, my sister's like, oh, here she go. You know, but I really enjoyed it. And then, because especially in the beginning when social media first came out, it was very much about like, I go to this college. It wasn't about what it was now. So I enjoyed just sharing because it was like, you literally just followed your friends. So it was like keeping up with who your friends were, you know, and sharing kind of like what this is what's happening in my life now. And then when I started the Budget Nista, I found that it was really helpful to grow the brand and market when I, when you didn't have any money. You know, like there were no ads, none of that stuff. Like, you know, like, so it was just like, oh, and then there was no algorithm. It was like, you know, you posted and people saw your post in the moment that you posted it. And so I really used it to grow the brand. But then it took a turn where just what you're saying, I felt like I was on all the time. I felt like I was like, I didn't get enough likes. I didn't. And it was just, it became a space for anxiety. And I just was like, I don't know when, when, after Jarrell passed away, of course I took like almost like a year off social media. So my team posted a little bit, but I told them, make it very clear. It's not me posting. They're like, Hey, you know, so I call my team the unicorn squad. Cause I tell them they make magic happen every day. So they're like unicorn squad post. And they would post whatever thing, you know, I mean, when I went to Bali, I was like, I don't want to see, I don't want to hear. And the first few weeks of taking a social media break, you retreat your phone. You're like, Oh yeah, that's right. They reach for your phone. So I took all the apps off my phone. So even if I subconsciously reach for it, I'm like, oh, there's like nothing here to, you know, there's no app. There's no. And then after two or three weeks of like taking the apps off, then you're kind of, because you're like, well, what do I do with my hands? What do I do? Girl, I because I used to be an avid reader all through like high school and college. When I was in, I started reading like a book a week and listening to podcasts and going for walks and listening to nature. And the, I was like, is this what the world looks like when I put my phone down? There was so much amazing world to experience. And even when I came back, it felt awkward on social media. I didn't want to share. I used to share everything. I didn't want to share as much. Like this year alone, I went to Kenya in January, didn't post anything. I went to Egypt in March. I took the whole month of March off, didn't post anything. And I told you, I just got back. I took the month of August off and I just got back from Europe and a bunch of other trips in between that I can't even remember. I posted none of those. And now here's the thing, there is a thin line with business because I know that not posting as much means that I didn't get as many contracts if I'm being all the way candid because brands want to see you out here dancing for a dollar. 
And so I had to tell myself and the team that we have to figure out a different dance. Because if it requires me to do that, to continue to do that, it's not the business I want to be in. And so if you enjoy it, you know, like I actually like going live because I love to teach. I love to talk, you know. So that part, I'm like, ooh, but like sharing every interpersonal part of my life like I used to before, I don't. And so I don't. And so if I'm being candid, I am figuring out the transition, you know, like what does that look like? And if I could go back to like earlier Tiffany, I would tell her, I'm usually pretty good at the pre-pivot, meaning like I will look ahead in the future and say in five years, I think you're going to feel like this. Let's start to do the work now. But this, I started a little bit later, but I would have had her prepare for this pivot a little sooner. I did some preparation. And so we are transitioning. I just had a a team call with my team and we talked about this exciting new pivot that we're looking into. I'm not going to share just yet until like I get like fully, um, because you know, the girls always want to do what you do. I'm like, girl, let me rock with it for a minute. (laughs) I know you're like, what what you, people are like, what you doing? I'm like, nah, I mean, we could talk offline, Jamila, but I'm like... (laughs) Let me, let me make a coin here first before I start giving away all the tea, you know, but it's a pivot that doesn't require me to dance for a dollar can still make multi seven figures, not as heavy on the team. I'm excited. It's something that we've been doing, but we were just kind of doing internally. And I didn't realize how much value because brands are like, I I want that. And companies are like, I'm like, oh, and so that there's a transition I'm excited about and it won't require all that stuff. So, but it might look like a dip down. Like I said, candidly, we didn't make that much money. I mean, we made, a, we made, you know, our seven figures, but not like what we used to make, you know? And so that's what I share is that like, yes, if you do not like social media, then you're going to have to make a concerted effort to say, then how will you navigate? But this is not the only way. There are other ways, but you have to be more creative, work a little differently, work a little smarter in order to figure out something else. That makes sense. So Tiffany, with the new workbook, the success of your book, Get Good With Money, why the workbook, right? Like what does the workbook help do? Because I know the book, like people loved it, (laughs) hence why it did so well. But now with this workbook, how does it supplement or even improve what you did with the original book? So I wasn't considering doing a workbook, but I got a lot of requests, especially from younger people, but certainly like, you know, I'm talking about people in college in their twenties who were like, the book Gecko of Money is very much like a textbook. You know, it's a thick book. We've sold almost 300,000 copies, which is crazy in two years. It's like, just for context, for those listening, the average book never sells over, sells over 2000 in a lifetime. And so to have sold almost 300,000 in two years is like, you know. I don't even know. I'm like, child, did I put crack in the book? What's happening? <laughs> and so I just thought, okay, don't chain, we good. Um, but I get I got all of this feedback, especially from some younger users who are like, the gig of money is this great, almost like Bible for personal finance that you put on the but I want something that I can jump into and write in and and start working on, you know, in a way that like I, I don't know, that feels more like because it can be overwhelming. You know, I think get good with money, not going to be overwhelming, but it, like I said, it's literally like a textbook. So it's kind of like you sit down, you're like, okay, let me go through the chapters and let me, let me set aside time. And so the workbook is the same 10 financial wholeness steps, but I walk you through doing them inside the book alongside. So I will give you sometimes examples of someone who's done it. That part is really great. So it's not just enough to say, oh, 
Here are the 10 steps to financial wholeness, budgeting, um, savings, debt, credit, learning to earn, investing, financial team, insurance, net worth, and estate planning. Those are the 10 steps. I also give you space, like I said, to do the work alongside. And then in each of those steps, I show you one or two people that are doing it in a way that, that's made it their own. So I kind of put an APB out when Gig of Money came out and said, if you've done this step, can you share your story with me? And so we share those stories in the workbook because it makes it like, oh, that's how someone who has, you know, a single mom or that's how someone. So for example, in the estate planning chapter, I talk about the, of course, estate planning is like having your beneficiaries, a will and a trust. And that sounds all, okay, good. But I share my story in that chapter about how like my husband candidly didn't have a will because we were so young and we were working on it. But we were kind of like, ah, la, la. And how important that was. So that way you're like, oh, wow, I never thought that that's what it should look like. Okay, got you. So I think that part is like having the space to do the work and then personalizing it with, with each of the steps for you. And so I'm really proud of Made Whole. It's the perfect companion book to get good with money. And I'm just excited for it to be like shared with the world. Right. And come on, teach your brain with the way you break out things because... <laughs> <laughs> so you, again, you you have a a knack and skill for teaching that comes out naturally. This is what I said when your first interview on episode two hundred nine, and I tried to encourage teachers and educators and people who do what they do well outside of you know, you know even being online and being a uh, online personality, but just they they're at work and they have a knack for something, and maybe they don't even know it. They're really good at it, but it's something that people do compliment you on, or it's something that you think is like not a big deal that you're able to organize your thoughts or organize something in a way and explain it to people where it's engaging. And it's like that same thing. If you can transfer that into something else, it could be, I don't know, a dog business, a tutoring business. I'm teaching about growing plants, whatever. Something you're interested in is that that same skill set that you're maybe using in a job you're not completely happy in or who does, that doesn't pay you a lot can help you. Um, either it could be your next career or just something to supplement and make you happy on the side or money. So just want to encourage people to continue to leverage and find out what they're good at, what lights them up, because you know your gifts are your gifts for a reason. And you can keep them to yourself. You know, Not everything needs to be shared and monetized, but there is space, if you so want it, that it can be used for the good of the world and for others. Absolutely. I credit being a school teacher with the number one reason why the Budgetista has done so well. It permeates every single aspect from the books that I've written to have this online challenge. I have an online school for financial education, my podcast, Brown Ambition, every aspect of the Budgetista, the blog, social media, everything is infused with, with the knowledge that I learned from being a teacher how do you bring somebody from no knowledge to knowledge? How do you make it engaging and fun? Because you got to be fun with three and four-year-olds or it's a it's a wrap for you. How do you know when someone's not getting it? And so like, so you can explain it multiple ways. I mean, teaching has been the best gift ever. So whether you are a teacher and you stay a teacher and you just continue to hone those skills because you love the classroom, awesome. But you can take those skills because you're the CEO of the classroom. You're managing, sometimes you're managing finances with being a teacher, like, you know, how should we navigate supplies? And you're managing all these different personalities from the parents and caregivers to the kids themselves. I mean, you're the janitor, the nurse, the mama, the daddy. I mean, to me, it is one of the best foundations you can have to do anything else if you don't want to like traditionally teach anymore. 
Yes, yes. Tiffany, please tell us where we can find your new workbook, follow you, find out more about your work, and just see what's coming up with that pivot of yours. We're going to be watching, taking notes. So absolutely. I am. (laughs) I'm the budget needs on all the things. You know, I don't really TikTok. Um, On on IG, on Facebook, um, YouTube. And so, of course, my site, thebudgetnista.com. But if you want to, and you'll be able to find the book there too, in any place where books are sold, or you could go directly to madewholeworkbook.com. That's made, M-A-D-E, whole, W-H-O-L-E, workbook.com. And yeah, I just think that, oh, one last thing I want to say is that even if you don't have get with money, which is great, I wrote Made Whole in a way that you can have the original book and then it's a supplement. But if you don't want to get good, get good with money, that made whole standalone can also just be this amazing tool that walks you through the 10 steps of financial wholeness. So they work in tangent together, but also separately. So I hope that you enjoy the book. Let me know. Tweet me. DM me on IG. I love the feedback. Yes. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you again for coming on, sharing your story, um, your work. And as I said before, I'm really proud of you and encouraged by your work to also just keep going and running my own race and, you know, getting to my enough point and experiencing that. So thank you again. No, you're welcome. Thank you for always having me. So thank you. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me and the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here. So show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.